I love the Gospels, for it's there that Jesus is best revealed. One such passage you find over in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. I'd like to share it with you. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him and said, Save, Lord, we are perishing. And he said, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? I trust this morning as you listen to Pablo as he opens the scripture that we might receive a new vision and perhaps some answers. What type of man is this? Welcome to the Castle Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church this morning. If you're a regular member tuned in, we welcome you. If you happen to be just someone browsing the net and you've tuned in, we welcome you too. And we trust that it will not be long, that we will not be having to do it this way, but that we will be back in our church with our friends. This morning as we tune into this broadcast, the world is in turmoil. There's civil unrest, there's racial tensions, there's the COVID-19 threat in our health, the financial implications, unemployment. The world is truly in turmoil. And like the disciples in that boat, it threatens sometimes, doesn't it, to overwhelm us. Do you know, I can identify with the disciples as they watch that wind and those waves threatening to overwhelm them, they looked and there was Jesus asleep. Over in Mark, the account there says, Master, don't you care? Jesus roused himself from sleep. The waves were raging, the wind blowing, and thus it is this morning that Jesus, in the words of that beautiful old hymn, would say what the world needs is Jesus, just a glimpse of him. Welcome to Castle Hill Church, and I trust this morning that you get just a glimpse of him. Good morning, church. Nice to see you all. I'm looking forward to sharing from God's Word today. It was almost the end of the workday for the lifesavers at Bondi Beach. It had been an extremely busy day with 10,000 people wanting to cool themselves down with a dip in the ocean. The weather had reached 40 degrees and the beachgoers didn't want to leave. The lifesavers uh, closed the beach at 6pm. They pulled out the flags, collected all the rescue boards, spread throughout the one kilometre foreshore. As they were putting their gear away in the lifeguard tower, one of the lifesavers while doing a final check through his binoculars, noticed a swimmer in trouble on the southern end of the beach. The southern side of the beach is known to have strong currents, known as the backpacker's rip. Unfortunately, many tourists do not realise that the flat, smooth, 
Water is a rip and quite dangerous, many say deadly. That afternoon, Miguel and his friends who were holidaying from Portugal decided to head to Bondi Beach. As Miguel entered the southerly part of the beach, he had no idea what was going to happen next. Miguel loved the sound of the ocean, the crashing waves on the shore, and being a hot day, he couldn't wait to get in. For a split second, he couldn't understand why most of the swimmers were up the other end of the beach. He saw flags up the beach and people on surfboards close by and many having fun. The sun was shining and as he walked into the ocean, the cool of the water enticed him to go just a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper until he was up to his waist. He hadn't planned to swim much at all. The water was so cool and refreshing, refreshing that he forgot his original plan. His, de his decision not to venture further was a huge mistake. Before he knew it, the rip pulled him against his will into the deep water and the more Miguel struggled, the harder it was for him to swim and stay afloat. Within a matter of minutes, Miguel was fighting for his life. Lifesavers use the term for those who can't swim well or for those who are drowning, climbing the ladder. Climbing the ladder is when a person might be drowning or be appearing to climb as though up an invisible ladder or press down on the water to make themselves go up. So as the Bondi lifesavers grabbed their rescue boards, rushing to the other side of the beach, Miguel is fighting for his life. It was terrifying watching this unfold on television. Just as Miguel pops his head up to catch his breath, another wave comes crashing over him. Here I am watching, wishing that I could swim into the ocean and save him. There's no one else around to help. And one thing that surprised me was that people were oblivious to what was happening, to what was taking place. Miguel hasn't given up yet. He's still climbing the ladder. He's doing everything he can to stay alive. The waves keep coming and there's no one in sight. Can you imagine his thought process? God, if you're out there, please give me one more chance to live. I'm too young to die. Where are my friends? Uh, I know I can do this. Just one more wave and I'll pop up and, and breathe. Don't panic. Just keep on breathing. The bombardment of one wave after another became too much. Miguel is exhausted. His fight is diminishing. All of a sudden, Miguel disappears from the view of the cameras and all I can see is the waves, one after another. The lifesaver makes it to the southern end of the beach and is in the water on his blue board paddling to the drowning man. He paddles against the surf initially, against the waves, one way after another. Because the rip is strong, it pulls him towards the struggling swimmer. He reaches Miguel and he grabs him by the top of his head, grabbing him by his hair, and he lifts him onto the board. 
Miguel seems lifeless. The water has taken everything out of him and he's taken back to the beach. There's no one around, no one there to help the lifesaver. And as Miguel is dragged back onto the sand, you can see him starting to breathe. He's exhausted from trying to save himself from the treacherous ocean. He has no strength. He can barely open his eyes, yet move his arms. And then the, pa- the cameras, for some reason, pan across the beach to the top of the hill, away from the water's edge. There's a group of eight people. It's Miguel's friends. He's travelling companions. companions. And as the, the camera starts to show them, one of them is praying. Others are watching. And when they later interviewed Miguel's friends, six of them said they knew how to swim. The rest didn't. And when asked why they didn't help, they responded with the following. You ready? The ocean seemed too rough. It didn't cross my mind. I was on Facebook. We didn't bring our swimmers. I didn't bring a towel, said one of his friends. I was on the phone. I was too scared and froze. The lady who was praying said, I was praying for a miracle. And as I was watching this unfold, I was praying for something to happen. I felt compelled to do something, but I couldn't get there. I wanted to reach into the television and do something. And I couldn't believe my ears as Miguel's friends gave one excuse after another. The ocean seemed too rough. It didn't cross my mind. I was on Facebook. I was on the phone. I didn't bring my swimmers. I didn't bring a towel. Church, I strongly believe this story is a metaphor of our lives today, people's lives today. People are drowning before our eyes. Many are oblivious as to what's really happening. And Jesus Christ is our lifesaver, the lifesaver. He's the only one that's willing to swim out in dangerous ocean and be the lifesaver. I love Luke 9, uh, 36 to 38. It says this, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The workers are few. I love it the way the Message Bible describes this. It says, Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and heal their diseased bodies, heal their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. What Jesus is saying is that there is so much work to be done. 
so much. The world needs Jesus more today than that it did yesterday. Someone from church posted this on Facebook. You will never look into the eyes of someone God does not love. Always be kind. Church, the world is changing. And uh, Ross Eccleston mentioned this in his welcome. Thank you for your welcome, Ross. And thank you, Fred, for your prayer. It was moving. It was beautiful. The world is changing. Rapid change is taking place before our eyes. No dimension of our lives has been left untouched by the irrepressible urge by many in today's society to keep pushing boundaries. Change is inescapable and some of the changes are for good, some are not. And I believe the, the world is heading in the wrong direction with many of the changes. I know there are evil forces behind much of what's happening and the evil before our eyes is Satan's way of distracting us and normalising things so that when the next wave hits, we won't even blink an eyelid. And many are blind to what's happening, and that's unfortunate. The vile hatred and dissension we're experiencing is drawing many in. Many around the world are jumping into causes that are leading to paths of destruction. Unfortunately, the causes for some have given them a purpose. And I wish their cause was for Jesus. As mentioned earlier on by Ross, the coronavirus is turning our lives upside down, spreading rapidly around the world. Let me share some statistics with you. 17.5 million cases around the world of coronavirus. It's estimated that 680,000 deaths have taken have happened so far worldwide. In Australia, we're already over 200 deaths with the loss of income, homelessness, depression, abuse, dysfunction. It's just destroying people's lives. And once again, people are drowning before our eyes. Many are oblivious to what's really happening. And Jesus Christ is our lifesaver. He's the lifesaver. The theme for the month is letting go. Last week, Pastor Nick taught us about letting go of stuff. Today, it's letting go of distractions. I've mentioned uh, many of the distractions around us. When we're distracted, we become oblivious to the people drowning around us, lost souls. Think of some of the distractions. Facebook, YouTube, TV, text messaging, study, maybe overstudy, uh, smartphones, the media, pornography, the internet, relationships, work, family, fear, addictions, addictions, gaming. The distractions around us are causing us to be oblivious to what's happening around us. And let me give you a definition of oblivious. Not aware of or concerned about what is happening around one. I looked at some adjectives of oblivious. Here they are. Inattentive, indifferent, absent, absorbed, distracted, insensitive, far away and preoccupied. 
Doesn't that sound like some of Miguel's friends? May I dare say, does it sound like some of us as a church, as a church community, as a worldwide church? How many people is Jesus saving that we're oblivious to? How many are looking for someone to love them? How many are looking for a faith community to belong to? How many are waiting for someone to share God's word with them? Yet, we're a distracted people. I found this uh, recently, and I may have shared it before, but this is one thing that I believed. Saved people, serve people. Found people, find people. And you cannot do life alone. You cannot do life without God. I forgot the out. You cannot do life without God. People are drowning every day and Jesus is in the water saving people from their sins, from their sorrow, from their brokenness, from their struggles, from their dysfunction, from their loneliness, from their self-righteousness. And the Bible tells us in Luke 9, 36 to 38, that the workers are few. It says once again, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. And then he repeats it again in the Message Bible. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. And I need to tell you this morning and remind you that they're not my words. These words come straight from the Bible. The workers are few. And as God's children, we've become so distracted by the world. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm I'm aware that we're living under living restrictions. There are restrictions that we have to live with. Worse in some states like Victoria. And the fear of catching the virus um, and our inability to do church together has changed us. It has changed us for now. But notice the end of the text. It says, what a huge harvest. He said to his disciples, How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hand. And what a huge harvest it is. Jesus said that the work is great. And uh, the theme in Luke 19.10, for those of you who want to go there, is the theme for the whole book of Luke, and I think it's a theme for the whole Bible. And it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost for those who are drowning in life. And later on it says, You are to give him his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the lifesaver. Jesus is saying, I'm here for one purpose, one purpose, and that is to save the lost. And yet, we have so many distractions in our lives. There is so much turmoil, dissension, hatred, riots, 
pornography, violence, abuse, sickness, dysfunction, broken relationships, death and destruction happening around us every day because the sneaky devil loves distractions. The devil loves to distract you and me. And if he can't distract you from your calling, he will try and do it in 101 ways. We get distracted by politics and what people are doing and what the media is saying on a minute by minute, hour by hour, daily updates. We listen to it all and we process it and we get so distracted by it. We get lost in the turmoil of this world. And let me repeat that. We get lost in the turmoil of the world. God didn't design us to live in turmoil. That's why the sneaky devil loves it. And there's one winner in this whole thing, one winner. And that's Jesus, the lifesaver. So let's keep talking about him. Let's keep trusting him. Let's keep believing that he has everything under control. Let's keep on sharing him with our friends. Let's keep on uh, listening to those in need. And even when it feels like the world is, is becoming unraveled and falling apart, Let's keep Jesus in our hearts. Let's stay focused on Jesus and not be distracted by what's happening around us. Jesus' number one goal for your life is for you to stay focused on what's important and essential and necessary for your salvation and everyday living. 2,000 years ago, Jesus called four fishermen from their nets to come and follow him. They did what fishermen don't do. They dropped their lifelong work to follow after a man they barely knew. And in those three years, the first ever followers of Jesus logged many miles and a lot of stumbles. They were looking for the wrong kingdom, a political kingdom. And they were stumped by Jesus' parables. They were stumped by Jesus' humility. They were stumped by Jesus' love for the lost. They were stumped by Jesus' love for lepers. They were stumped by Jesus' healing power. They were stumped by Jesus' compassion. They were stumped by Jesus' forgiveness. And yet, the disciples said many stupid things like I have in life and you have in life. And they wouldn't believe that the Messiah had to suffer and die and they could hardly believe it when Jesus rose from the tomb. Their faith was slow and small and yet they did it. They walked the same road with Jesus before anyone else did. And even in all their bungling, these men knew some things about following Jesus that you and I have forgotten or will never know about. The disciples knew that they weren't simply adding God to their already busy lives as we often do today. When they first began, those 12 men weren't even sure who Jesus was, but they did know what was required of them and what his worth was. They gave up their jobs. They left the security of their families to pursue 
the kingdom of God, a kingdom they could not see, but they believed in. And we may not be called like the disciples to give up our jobs or leave our families or our homes in the same way, but walking with Jesus is far more than adding God as a helpful accessory to our busy lives. Following Jesus changes the entire direction and motivation of our lives. Following Jesus is more than a relationship. It gives us real work to do in the world. Jesus' inner circle knew from the start that they had been brought into an intimate relationship with this unusual rabbi. But the Messiah was here for more than their personal well-being and ours. From the start, Jesus made it clear he was on a mission. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Wow, what an invitation. I say, wow, what an invitation to honour God with our lives. Wow, what an invitation to serve. What an invitation to share. I say, wow, what an invitation to give. Let me share with you two short stories as I finish up this morning. called me about a month ago. He said he was lonely and stressing about life and said he'd made the following decision. He said he wanted to purchase food as often as possible for families in need. And you know, he turns up to church most Mondays with bags of groceries of food for people in need. This act of giving to others has changed his outlook on life. And he's accepted Jesus' invitation to serve and give. His struggles still might be the same, but his heart beats with Jesus. Another member approached me some weeks ago and said, I work hard, I make more than enough, I'd like to serve people in need financially. And he handed me some money some gift cards for shopping, and he said, this is my way of serving. And this has given me the ability to visit people in need and to say, this is a gift from our church. Let me encourage you to think outside the box with serving others and making a difference and impact in your own community. And if you can't do it, come and see us and let us know how we can help you. Just as Jesus left to return to the Father, he left us all a special message. He said, go into all the world preaching the gospel. Is this your prayer to God for people to be saved? Do you have any people on your prayer list asking for them to get convicted about the truth of Christ? Your list doesn't have to be on paper, but it must be on your heart and mind. Your list doesn't have to be long, but you have to be passionate about it. Unfortunately, I've been hearing from some people 
that their list is very different to what I think Jesus, how Jesus wants us to be. For some, eating meat is on their list of priorities. Singing one style of music over another in churches or drinking coffee seems to be on their list. Talking to other of my colleagues, other pastors recently, they're facing the same struggle. Some are praying, Lord, why is it that we don't sing these songs anymore? Please convict our musicians in the error of their ways. Let me tell you this morning, you have the wrong list. Why is it that people drink coffee? I mean, it must be such a terrible sin. It's on my list, Lord. You're written wrong information on your list. And I can go on and on. Don't minor in these things. Major in praying for people's lives. Major in praying for people's salvation. Major in sharing your faith with people. Major in life-saving, becoming fishers of men. May your prayer be one of living like Jesus and acting like him in every aspect of your lives. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege of doing church together today. We may be spread around a region, but we know that our hearts are together as one as we worship Father. We pray that, Lord, that you help us to major in praying for people's lives, in reaching out to the lost, in serving them, in serving our church. Help us, Father, to think outside the box Help us to think how we can make more of an impact in our communities as people struggle with dysfunction and loss and unemployment and sickness and death. Father, I thank you for blessing the Davis family who have buried Ronald Davis, Lord. Thank you for blessing um, Kelvin and uh, may you bless his family, his extended family. Thank you for allowing them to believe in the hope of your soon return and the privilege of seeing our loved ones again. Bless us and thank you for all that you do for us, which, was, which is more than we ever deserve, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.